This is Beside the Tracks. I'm your host, Andrew Brandt, Mohawk Turtle Clan, and I'm broadcasting from Tyndanaga Mohawk Territory, home of the Peacemaker, Credible Mohawk Entertainment, and Two Row Coffee Company. Take advantage of spring sales at tworowcoffeeco.ca, where coffee and culture connect. Today we have Sequimpem land defender April Thomas, who will be sharing her experience on being arrested on the front line, being abused by the RCMP, and an up- upcoming court case. Um, you can catch up on all of our episodes as well on our website at thecrediblemohawk.com slash beside the tracks. Also become a member on our website for exclusive giveaways and prizes. Here's your podcast for Monday, April 19th. You are listening to Beside the Tracks podcast. And today um, we finally um, got around to it. I had uh, been asking and all kinds of stuff got together because we've, if you check out the website, uh, we have all kinds of updates on there. Um, we've been working like crazy to make sure that we get all of uh, this decolonized entertainment to everybody. Um, so check out the Beside the Tracks website now, um, e, uh, thecrediblemohawk.com slash Beside the Tracks. And it's also brought to you by Turo Coffee Company, where coffee and culture connect. Make sure you go to turocoffeeco.ca and we send it all the way. Um, we've sent it from coast to coast. So make sure you get online and order it up. So, April, finally I get to talk to you. I've been following you on Facebook and I've been watching all your posts and Danny finally uh, hooked us up together and <laughs> how are you? I'm good, thank you. That's good. So, um, I just want to talk a little bit about your uh, resistance against the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Um, <clears throat> so, you, uh, you were recently arrested in Kamloops. Yes. Uh, can you just give me a little, give everybody a little, uh, you know, what what led up to those events? Um, I'd say it goes goes a ways back to getting into our resistance actions against Trans Mountain, working with them, um, people within our nation across the Sequatmuluk, that's a Shushwab territory, and. Um, that particular event was something that was in the making for a while. Um, I can't say that it was anything that was planned. We just, um, we do what we can where we can and try to do everything we can to, to do resistance work against the Trans Mountain Pipeline on many different platforms and different levels. Um, I think I started against the Trans Mountain Pipeline probably back around in 2016, I believe it was. I went over to Geneva with Switzerland with um, Arthur Manuel. We went over there to the United Nations Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination and um, I guess that uh, starting point when you're going to make complaints and stuff to the United Nations. And when we were over there, we were speaking in particular about um, the Northern Sequatin de Galmuch Treaty, their modern day treaty plans that they have to modernize the treaty process and make us fourth level municipal style governments within our ban system. the problem we had with that was that 
there's only four bands in this treaty process and I'm one of I'm part of one of them, Canem Lake. And there's also 17 bands within the nation and only four of these bands were in the treaty process and the others weren't. So we were going to speak about consent. And when we were speaking about the, our rights to consent and how those bands didn't have the right to get into a treaty process without the consent, the collective consent of the proper and rightful title holders, which is the Sequatin people themselves. Um, we also discussed the Trans Mountain Pipeline and how um, they were in the beginning stages of that going around to the communities and um, and not being upfront about who was actually signing on because you couldn't, you know, they didn't make any big announcements about it. It was all done in secrecy, basically. And my band signed on to that as well. And they got a mutual benefit agreement, which I still haven't um, been able to get um, further information which reminds me I should get on that again. But um, I did write a letter to my band about, about that. And I was just told that I wasn't privy to that information. So that kind of fell by the wayside. But um, yeah, from there, it's just been a, you know, a struggle to get answers and to, to just push and just join in and support all the Sequatin resistance all the direct actions that take place. Um, I can't always be there. Like we have a pretty large territory. So, yeah, so people take actions and different people take the lead. And sometimes it's me, sometimes it's Miranda, sometimes it's, you know, other people and we join and support one another. Yeah, I definitely uh, understand the uh, what you're talking about when you say, uh the consultation and the consent part the uh, we have the same the same issues all across turtle island eh? um and when it comes to the Noshone people as well we have the uh, who's the tight rightful title holders it's where's your deed that's what it all comes down to and mm -hmm. these, these places that are trying to uh you know plow through our territories and you know keep on appropriating everything they don't have any deed and they can't produce it so the only thing they can do is you know force us down at gunpoint and um so you said uh in 2016 you were in switzerland um yes so was that was it like immediately after or was it before um you had been arrested in 2016 as well right oh that was right after that i was in geneva that in february of that year and it wasn't long after i got back um there was a band office occupation with the Williams Lake Indian band. They since changed their name. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but um, yeah, they, they called in the mil. or uh, wasn't the military it was like, I don't know. They had like, um, had machine guns all drawn around the whole band office. And, and Arnie Jack was the one who organized that and he didn't, tell me because he wanted me to be on the outside organizing and documenting everything so I just came back from a family trip and we walked into this occupation with guns drawn all over the band office and it was 
pretty scary because they were all over like maybe 20 guns all around the band office and wow yeah and then I pulled in with my fancy camera and wanted to document it and take pictures so that's basically what I was doing and um and then a police officer is coming after me saying, hey, you can't do that. You can't take pictures. And I'm like, damn right, I can. This is my uh, our reserve here. And I'm like, I have a right to document this and take pictures. And he's like, no, you can't. Stop, stop. And he started running towards me. And I started running away. And he came after me. And um, they yeah, he tackled me down to the ground. And he... Um, pulled my arms back and shoved his knees into my back and yeah my back's not been the same since but back then I didn't really know how to deal with that so so they um yeah they assaulted me and um, put me in jail and everything and then later on I think it was the following year they um forcibly removed us out of our house because we paid for the house it was a rent to own uh-huh. but then the band wouldn't um honor that so yeah they got the police to come in and throw us out because we quit paying our rent so yeah we've i've gone through a lot of ups and downs and all around <laughs> oh, yes. yeah so absolutely it's been- it's been, it's been quite the trip and um, like my family's had to suffer a lot. I've had to suffer and we've gone through, you know, so much in trying to fight for our people's rights and our human rights and assert our title and rights on the land. And, and that's what came about with the pipeline is, you know, it doesn't matter how many court cases are won or you know, how many great lawyers are out there because when it comes down to the true and proper rightful title holders like the Sequim over here, we're unceded, unsurrendered um, territories and we've never signed treaties. We've never lost our, our territory in war or anything like that. So, you know, it's still our land and we, we believe that strongly and we've We've been going after Justin Trudeau, you know, asking him where his deed is and writing him letters, going to the UN and the UN CERT even um, wrote Justin Trudeau about our trip over over there and told him that um, that they are supposed to deal with the people themselves, not the DIA chiefs, and that still hasn't happened. So to me, that says that Canada doesn't, are the chiefs don't take the UN seriously. It's just, they go over there and they even make their own submissions and make yeah. themselves look good. And that's all it's for is a platform to make themselves look good and nothing's actually ever done. Well, that's just it too, right? And uh, all those chiefs, uh, those that system, they don't actually belong to um, any of our system. That's uh, We actually just talked about that in another podcast, the uh, colonial systems. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they're implemented and they just kind of change the names to make them sound indigenous like chief and council is pretty much just the mayor of the town and you know different things like that and uh like it's just not our way and it's not who those aren't our leaders because they still work for that colonial government they still work for that oppressive regime and when we try to follow our own laws um they try to shut it down because our laws are right and they take care of the land and they're going to look forward for the next seven generations. 
that's what we're doing. And, you know, they're afraid of that because they want their money now. They need their everything now, 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 now. It's that greed and, um, you know, all that, all that colonial imperial nastiness coming out. Um, yeah. It's true so. because I, like I even had a discussion with Reuben George about this yesterday and we were discussing UNDRIP and how it was written and how they use our people to write it but then they slipped in that section 27 saying that the state has you know the overall decision making authority like they can write all this stuff all they want and talk about consultation and consent but then slip that in there like they're trying to fool us or something that's right and and i said and they're they use that undrip and they use the afn and everything like that just to massively control our people because of their own greed because they know damn well when it comes down to us becoming a fourth fourth level municipal style government that they're going to have full and total control over our people and our land and they're the only going to be the only ones who benefit and they've been setting it up you know since they started this treaty process and reconciliation they've been setting us up and putting the aboriginal policing in our communities to specifically to watch over us grassroots people and they've been setting our people up with their policies and in incorporating the police more and more and controlling people and putting um drug testing on jobs and and making it so that everybody's blacklisted off the housing list and you know just so much mass control and fear fear tactics they use on our people and the sad thing about that is it's working it is and it's good to see now that there, there are some you know people that are coming to terms and i've seen like the, some videos of little little kids you know they're maybe three or four years old standing in front of the police and I think that's, you know, it's sad, but at the same time, it makes you proud because, you know, those those traditions and those things are being passed down. They're still alive and we're still here, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like for us, our our traditional law is called Guyana at Goa, great law. Um, that's what we operate under the, uh, the peace, power and righteousness of uh, of a good mind. Um, what's what is your law called the way your traditional law? I don't really think there's a word for that. Yeah. I would have to actually go to my elders and talk to them. Um, a lot of a lot of the governing system was uh, our elders tried to translate it and it was basically for these the chiefs for their treaty and stuff. And and they they were not able to accomplish that because there was so much terminology within uh within the colonial laws that they couldn't translate it. But um, I know that we go by by our hereditary system and we call our hereditary chiefs the Gukpi and um, our creator is Gal Gukpi, the, the great chief, and then the chief who is a hereditary chief. That's cool. I like that. It's similar to ours. It's it's great how similar they are across everywhere too, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that connection is uh, one of the things that they tried to break. They tried to break that connection with spirit because they never had that. You know, those colonizers when they came over here. And uh, one of the things that um, an elder said when we were in one of our meetings was, 
you know, their, their faces are pale because it's not because, uh, it's because they're empty. You know, they lost their, their connection with spirit, um, through all the turmoil and everything that they've gone through all the, all the different things, because, uh, because we remember the impression was practiced as it got over here, right? They kind of just mm-hmm. keep on sticking the knife and turning it here and keep on going because we won't, we won't give in. We won't submit to their ways. <laughs> Too stubborn. <laughs> stubborn. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Well, we, I don't think we're stubborn. It's just that we're, our spirit is connected to the land. We are part of it. Yep. We're all connected to each other and we feel that. And they think that they can easily just kill us off like that when they can't because we're all connected. And yeah. we're and our people specifically were put on this earth to look look after it, and that's what we do. Yeah, and uh, I think we were talking. We talked about that in another uh, episode too, where you know when when you look at each of the uh, nations all across Turtle Island, we all have our story of that place where we came to that place and how we're supposed to be there to protect that place and that certain part of that turtle on that back um, to you know to make sure that we survive. Um, because we were that's what we were put here for to make sure it carries on and you know we can't have things like greed and corruption and all these different things coming in hate and racism and (laughs) all that kind of you know everything coming in to try to destroy our people and you know it's like you said uh, before we started it's just you know you you see what happens the next day you never really know Mm -hmm. and uh, I totally get that (laughs) totally understand that I'm a strong believer in that as well, that we're all put here for a reason and we're all put here for, we all have our roles and responsibilities, which is according to our traditional ways. And, and when I, when I grew up, like I haven't had a really good cry about that earlier today when we're driving, like listening to my mom and dad's old songs. And, and I didn't think that it still bothered me that I grew up without parents and I really you know, I tried hard not to let it bother me, but I downloaded those songs and I was driving and I had a good cry and I thought about it and, and I was feeling sad, like, you know, and I, and I reminded myself, like, before I used to get really sad about, you know, all these things happening to me. Why, why, why me? Why yeah. do these things always happen to me? Like my whole entire life has just been a tragedy and, but I'm still here and I survived and, and I, and, and at that time, I used to always really hate myself, too, and say, say hateful things about myself to myself. And at some point, I decided, you know, why not me? It, there is nobody else. It has to be me. So I just start changing my attitude about why I'm put here. And, and it just really empowered me to, to do the things I know that my grandparents raised me to do, because I was raised by my grandparents. And they always talked about the old people and the land and the band office corruption and always told me to be the voice for the people because there's nobody there to speak for the people and act for them. And they'd even tell me stuff like I was born to sacrifice myself for the people and the land. And when I'm called upon, I have to do that because that's my job. And I was groomed that way my whole life. And then they passed away and you know I had to go to the dark side for a while and go get educated in the university system and go work for the band office and tribal councils help them make their millions negotiating mining deals and 
you know, all the, all these disgusting things, BC Hydro, and until yeah. I, you know, I realized that I had every time I, the longer I stayed there, I had to sell my soul little by little to them, to the government, to the devil, and. I, to I totally understand what you're saying there too. Um, like I'll give you an exact example too. The it was last year. Um, the uh, tracks were shut down and everything like that. And I was actually a teacher for uh, the high school here, which is run by band, band council. And you know, I was doing. I didn't want to, but they had nobody else. So I said, okay, well, I guess I'll do it. And then about halfway through the shutdown, I was like, you know what, I'm not coming back. I can't, I can't take a paycheck from this council, no matter what, <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. I, couldn't, I just couldn't do it anymore. It was, it, it wasn't even, you know, I couldn't even take the money. It wasn't even about that. It was just a moral dilemma now in my, in my soul, you know? And uh, yeah, I, I went to the dark side too, like you were talking about. And sometimes mm -hmm. we need to, have there's there's that little thing for all of us that's like oh shit you know yeah i always felt like the creator just put me on that path because he i had to see and then after having all that money and being you know i was i was well off i decided to move home because my kids wanted to be here and i thought i could come here and help them with their treaty and like that's how naive i was 20 yeah. years into working with these people and I came back just to, you know, find out what treaties really about because in 2010, uh, human rights was recognized on reserve. And I'm like, oh, great. Now we can quit treating our people like this. <laughs> so <laughs> I kept trying to raise human rights on reserve and I kept getting my hand slapped for it to the point where, you know, they were just harassing me. And I'm like, OK, you know what? Life is too short. You know, shove this job up your ass. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I walked away and I, I told my husband, you know, I gave the best years of my life to you and the kids and to to these jobs with the bands and everything. And I gave everything, you know, these are supposed to be the prime years of my life. And then yeah. I sold my spirit. And to me, the only way to get it back was the land because that's what we're taught. And I said, we weren't even doing anything. We were taught by our Ba'as and Ka'as and, and we were just living their life the way they set it out for us. And that wasn't right. And, and we weren't happy. And so I just told him, I, I'm not going to do this type of work anymore. Anything that has to do with the band or selling our people out or, having to go against our people or the land. I said, I don't want nothing to do with it anymore. I said, I don't even know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to take time to myself and, you know, live off the land and hunt again and berry pick and can and make crafts, all the things I was taught to do. And I did, I did it for four years until the elders called upon me and told me that they needed me to go speak for them against the treaty when the treaty was going down and, and I did, and yeah, after that, I've been fighting for my life. I don't just fight to fight. <laughs> They're coming after me everywhere. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Like, things like being arrested, I just, it's like I just show up and it happens. Like, all these things just happen, and I'm always just there at the right time, and it's, I, most of the time, it's not even planned. It's creator yeah. putting me on that path, and I'm just there. Yeah, I totally understand that too. When you were talking about the, uh, um, hearing the songs and crying, I I totally understand that as well. <laughs> it's, um, and that's uh, it's your, you know, 
it's your spirit yeah it's weird when you think you're over something and you're not (laughs) yeah that's your spirit reaching back out you know hearing those words Mm -hmm. and hearing that song and hearing those things again it's just like uh and brings you into a place where your ancestors are proud of you and you're like oh i'm trying i'm trying (laughs) yeah it really made me think hard about my mom and and when she was watching that Billy Jack show and I remembered how moved she was, I was like, she passed away when I was eight, but I have a few memories and that show she was watching it. I remember and I remember her listening to it and like, she is really moved by it. And, and I like, and then it made me think of her, like being the warrior spirit that she was like all these women always after her and she was a single mom by herself. And, she couldn't get a job, so she just started her own construction business and started doing painting and construction jobs and hired other women in the community. And That's she awesome. had her own business and she had four kids. And And I, I was really thinking about that. And I was thinking, wow, my mom was her own warrior in herself. And here I am always wondering what she thinks about me. And I'm like, she must be damn proud of me. <laughs> Yeah, and it made me feel really good, and the sun was shining on me, and the eagles were flying above me, and I just like, wow, I, like it was like I don't know, um, just had a spiritual moment, I guess, enlightenment, I guess, of you know, my mom is always there as an angel watching over me, and and here I'd, I, I always wondered what she thought about me. Yeah, <laughs> so now, yeah, yeah, like I can move on. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Uh, and uh, that's great. I love when the uh, eagle flies over. That's just so peaceful. <laughs> we, yeah, uh, it happens a lot. The eagle, I get yeah. visits from eagles a lot, especially it's always mostly when I'm worrying or questioning, like if I should do something or I need a sign or something, then the eagle will come fly right over me. Or like yesterday we were talking about, um, um, money and what we should do about our mill and like we're just kind of worrying about it and and then we drove by this big huge eagle and it just looked right at us like right in the eyes and we're like oh I guess we shouldn't even worry about it so we shouldn't waste our time talking about it it's gonna happen (laughs) yeah like things like that it just really encourages me yeah I like when you've when you get a chance and like, you know, cause we're always so busy. Right. And then you finally get a chance to see those things and those, so those signs and those things from, you know, from creation, they, that are still putting themselves in their path and letting us know that we're there and, you know, mm-hmm. we're doing something right. <laughs> cause yeah, I saw one of those two actually just yesterday. I saw one an Eagle for the first time in a couple of years and uh, he was flying so high. It was beautiful. I tried to get a zoom in on it and I couldn't even get close enough to him. <laughs> <laughs> it's great but um yeah so there's all these different things there's all these connections with the land all these connections with spirit and all these memories that we have i've actually been out to kamloops before uh one time years ago i think it was a little bit before 2016 actually um but i saw the thompson river it's beautiful <laughs> i saw the mountains out there they're beautiful and you know i can totally understand what you're fighting for yeah our territory is like it's like a water hub for all of the water coming from all around us and we have so many lakes and we have the three rivers go through there we have so many creeks and waterways and we have basically every kind of um 
terrain and weather, everything. We have the desert, we have the Rockies, we have all the medicines here. It's, and we are, um, one of the elders told me too that the 13 nations that we are surrounded by, we're in a center and there's four of them around us and to those four is connected all the other ones. So through that, we're connected through the whole shoe shop nation. And back back in the day, my Baz and Kaz said that we used to be called the, the Mighty Shoe Shop Warriors because we had the largest trading routes right down into what they call the US now. But we canoed and everything up and down the rivers to do our trading. So we probably, our, our tribes probably met somewhere in the States at some point and uh, had a meal. <laughs> yeah. We went down that way too. We went through the States and up this way. So that's, that's amazing. I love those old stories. You know, when you get, when those, when those older people get telling you about them and um, especially like even over here, we talk the just with the spoon territory, all the trade routes and, you know, it's just really great to, to see and to hear um, like, but how does this, uh, how does the trans mountain affect the life like that, the traditional life? It affects it because, um, because like I said, it's connected. There's, it's connected to two rivers in there and our fish have to travel through that spawning grounds. And basically all of the city and everybody around there depends on all the water, all the animals, the bears, everybody that um, all the animals that use the water and the, there's a lot of um, organic agricultural places in the area. And um, yeah, just basically could affect everything should a spill occur. And we all know that many spills have occurred all over Turtle Island and there's mm -hmm. no guarantee and there's no way of actually cleaning it up. And they don't even tell you about them all either. No, they don't. So and that's... like even even to put that in, they were putting these um mats in the in the rivers on purpose to kill the fish that were spawning. Like oh in their spawning areas so some of our people had to go in there and they we were just ripping them all out yeah yeah for sure you can't have that it's just horrible it's horrible um and so if there was anybody that wanted to um support you and the people everybody that's you know wants to support your grassroots movement where could they go to do that how could they do that um we have a page called um Sequim say no to TMX, and in there, there's um, should be information to our fundraiser and our website. And yeah, and if anybody'd like to come out and support, that would be where we post our events and everything specific to that. And I also post everything in my Sequimolu grassroots movement um, page that I administer. I administer that one and um, I help with the Sequim Say No to TMX. All right, perfect. I'll make sure I get, uh, I think I shared some stuff onto our Facebook page from there, but I'll get more on there and get more people to follow up there. So um, yeah, it's been um, an excellent, a really great talk with you today, April. I'm really appreciative for it. 
Yeah, yeah, it was good. Thank you. I appreciate that too. It's always good to talk with um, people who who also share the same connection and who yeah. are also so passionate about the people in the land and not allowing the government to keep railroading us and destroying us. That's right. We can't let it happen anymore. And that's why we need to make sure that we keep on raising all the voices of the people, make sure we put those the truth out there because we can't have mainstream media distorting it like they always go go and do, you know? We need to turn indigenous media into the bigger thing than that mainstream media. Mm -hmm. the, we tell the truth. We don't have any reason to lie. All we want is to live. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's all that's all I stand on is the truth. I don't have any reason to lie. And you know, yeah. everything that we do is for the people. And and once they realize it, then more and more will stand with us. And they are we're getting stronger and I see that and I see that uh, you know a lot of the corruption is coming down and the truth is coming out and it's because of people like us fighting you know it takes one person to inspire many and those many might go out and you know do something themselves so we just gotta you know sometimes you feel like you're not making any progress or people don't care but you just don't know right you never know um, yeah i just choose as long to as think you, that... as long as you get to one person at least you know as long as you can reach one person and that one person can reach somebody else and there's always going to be some kind of ripple effect there so it's yes good. <laughs> it's good well that's what that's what i'm hoping to do with this tmx case eh? we're not getting arrested for nothing like we want to sure. do a jurisdictional challenge and charter challenges and whatever we have to do to keep throwing their own laws in their face and show them that they have no deed and that we're the proper and rightful title holders. And, and once we show them and, you know, we're disempowering them and then we're going to start taking back our land and stay, you know, taking back the power of our people. And, right. that, you know, that's, that's something that we want to do and we want to empower other nations and other people and help them, you know, maybe set up a, a template process of some sorts that, you know, if you get arrested, do this, do that, here's your options. Yeah. Something that, that. to help other other nations so that we can just, you know, do it massively and take back our land and everything and so work together on solutions. If there's anything that we can do to help you out, um, then please don't hesitate to ask because that's what we're all about. Everything that you said, taking the land back, screwing the government over because they don't actually own anything. Uh, you know, everything like that. If there's anything that we can do, absolutely anything, please message me and we'll help. Yeah, that would be good. Right now, we're just trying to get our sawmill together and get it up and going. We're making it portable and we need to, we're trying to get something to haul the wood so that we don't want to just put up one or two houses here or there. We want to put up massively, put up villages, put them up, you know, <laughs> put them up in the line of the pipeline, put them up on our sacred villages. Cause we were once 33 villages. Now they put us on 17 reserves. So right. we need that's to take back those sacred areas and that's a plan. So I might have to call on you for some help in the future, but right now we're just plugging away and doing what we need to do. All right. Sounds great. Well, yeah, like I said, don't hesitate to ask. Yes, right. for sure. Okay, right, it's, been, 
It's been a great talk, April. Um, I hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks. And yeah, if you ever want to call and follow up again on our case or whatever, let me know. I'm here. Oh, I will for sure. Okay. Thank you, everybody who's listening out there. Yeah, we'll go. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Colada aco sepe, no ye people's egg chart on drippe. Jigam ne hand upon a bitchin. Only mosibe nan and trippe, nan and trippe, ya colada aco sepe. No ye people's egg chart on drippe. Jigam ne hand upon a bitchin. Only mosibe nan and trippe. Nanan trippin'